Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. I am um, moved today and stirred in my heart. What a powerful praise and worship time that we had uh, in, in the Lord speaking to us and leading us today. And I am so thankful for what I feel in the Spirit. I want before we, before we want you to lay your Bibles down and I want you to lift your hands and ask God to speak to your spirit. Would everyone do that? God, we love you right now. We are so thankful, God, for who you are and what we feel and what you've been doing. Lord, your, your spirit is speaking to us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I pray that there will be a revival of your word, a revival of truth, oh God, that will settle on our spirit today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Also, we'll be reading from 1 Kings chapter 13. If you grab your Bible, we will, we will bring our text from there today. And uh, we will be making reference to 2 Chronicles. But um, I'm going to be preaching to you and teaching you on the importance of the Word of God. The importance of the Word of God. We need His Word. How many know that's the truth? And so, second, uh, excuse me, First Kings thirteen, reading with verse one. Reading with verse one, it says, "And behold, there came a man of God." We need a man of God. Uh, I have been praying this, that God would send the prophet, prophets, into our churches and prophesy. And uh, I believe in. To line us up, to get us where we need to be. And uh, sent a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. You have to understand that there was wickedness in the land. And, and they were offering sacrifice to heathen gods, burning incense. And the man of God, verse 2, he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord. And said, O altar altar thus saith the Lord behold a child a child shall be born unto the house of David Josiah by name and upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee he said there's going to come a baby going to be born and he's going to turn this thing around Josiah will be his name. I'd like to preach to you on this subject, the importance of the Word of God. The importance of the Word of God. Would you clap your hands and thank God for His Word? Come on, everybody that would. Let's thank Him for His Word. Hallelujah. We love you today, God. We thank you for your Word. We magnify you, O Lord, for your Word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God bless you as you are seated. Amen. I would say to you today, fall in love with the Word of God. This Bible that we would sing about as a child in Sunday school would be something like this, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Jesus records in John chapter 12. He said, the words that I speak to you, the same shall judge you in the last days. If you would right now turn with me to the book of Revelation, and probably will be quite a bit of Bible reading today, and, and, uh, but that's what we have come to the house of God for, is in Revelation chapter 20, would you turn there in your Bibles? And I still believe, and if you've got a virtual Bible in front of you, you've got maybe your, uh, your iPad or your phone or something, I think it's okay, but I think we need the Word of the Lord. I think it's good to have a Bible you can write in and make notes in. 
I spent a year one time on my iPad reading that way and highlighting different categories, reading through the Word. But there's something about having a Bible in your hand. Can you say amen? I underline things. I write into it. you got to fall in love with your Bible. I said we got to fall in love with the Bible. It's precious to me. Usually in praise and worship at some point, I'll grab my Bible, I'll open, I'll put it near my heart and say, thank you, Lord, for your word. Because without the word, we can't be saved. I mean, no, it is the word, is God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We honor that. We honor that. Revelation chapter 20 says, And I, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. It doesn't matter how great they are in popularity, how great they are in, uh, in, in, in leaders of our country. It doesn't matter how low they are or how high they are. Everybody is going to stand before God. Look at your neighbor and say, you will stand before God. When you stand before God in that, in that throne judgment, you'll find that God, the Bible says the books were opened. I believe that is right there, those 66 books of the Bible. Elder Sharp, we've got to teach his word because all of us are going to stand before God and the Lord is going to open up the word. Amen. And the Bible says, and another book was opened, which is the book of of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Can I say to you today, you can't die and get away from judgment. You can't run from judgment. You individually alone, you are going to stand before God and give account for the decisions and the works that you made. Not one of us that have ever lived gets exempt from that. It's a scary thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. You know, the Bible says, don't fear the one that can destroy the body, but the one that can destroy the body and the soul. And please understand why I'm going to teach you on the importance of the word. Because it will judge us. And it says, they will be judged, what? According to their works. I have been in a court several times. And in that court, this is what they do. They have a big book over here. It's the law. It's the law. It's the law of the land. And they have it here. It's a big book, law of the land. And the book says what should be done. And if someone does wrong, this is what should be done to them. It's the judgment law. If you do this, this will happen. And I've been there, and they have in front of them, they have a record, a record from the prosecuting attorney, a record of what they did. So there's a record of their works. That's right. And I've watched the judge in his judgment say, this is what you've done, but this is what the law says, and this is what the law says should happen to you. It's the judgment seat. It's the judge making the judgment. When you stand before God, what is he going to judge you according to? It's not going to be what was culturally accepted. It's not going to be family traditions. It's not going to be this is how you were raised. He's not going to pull out the manual from your family and say, well, this is what they said should be done, so I'm going to judge you according to your family. It's not going to be a relative judgment. Well, you was from this country, so I'm going to judge you according to the government law. Can I tell you today, government law is not going to matter in God's judgment seat. He's going to open up the word because it is the moral authority in which we should live. The Bible says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are not going to be judged according to the mandates of law. Amen. We will be judged in the judgment seat according to the mandates of God's word. That's why we don't need a preacher that is compromising the doctrine to please a, to become culturally accepted. We need a preacher to preach what thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Somebody that will align themselves with what God is saying. When you're talking about eternity, when you're talking about forever, when you're talking about a lake of fire, which is the follow. Preacher, don't you let me mess my life up because you're afraid of offending me and causing me to change and causing to, to become in a disagreement with me. Don't tell me what my flesh wants to hear. Tell me what God wants me to hear. I don't want my family to be lost. Give me the word of the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. We need to know his word. Somebody shout the word. It was so important. Jesus said, man, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word. You will be judged on every word which proceeded out of the mouth of God. There are doctrines in the land. There are many doctrines in the land. There's doctrines such as preterism. How many's ever, how many's ever heard that? The doctrine of preterism, which teaches that Jesus has already come and we are living in the promised land. This is in heaven. I don't care what they say. No more pain and no more sorrow. This is in heaven. We got to be careful what we listen to. How about the doctrine of election? Calvinism, which is taught. Calvinism, which says that you are predestined. You can't do anything to be saved. You can't do anything to be lost. Somebody, somebody, I knew somebody fell into the doctrine of election. Predestination. Well, the Bible says we are predestined in him. That's right, we are predestined in him. God's plan for our life unfolds when we come to him and repent of our sins. It's, it's, it's insanity to believe that, well, you're just predetermined for hell and you're predetermined for heaven. Nothing you can do about it and nothing you can do wrong to get out of heaven. But that's taught because it promotes sin. I finally cornered somebody in a Bible study one time that, was, that, that had erred, erred through false teaching in their life from somebody. I finally cornered them, and I got them down, and I said, but what about Calvary? And in a moment, they said, Calvary doesn't matter. Come on now. He, he, told, he told him in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, I want you to turn there with me. So we're going to flip to some verses here today. Second Timothy, God forbid we fall into a doctrine that says what Jesus did at Calvary doesn't matter. My goodness. Oh, help me, Jesus. It, made me, it, it started in my toes when they said that. Like a fire began to burn. Come on, if there wasn't Calvary, we wouldn't be here. Amen. We wouldn't be able to be healed or set free. I believe Calvary makes all the difference. We sing songs like, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can I tell you, there is a time that Jesus said they would come to you and they would teach of other Christ. They would say they were of, a, of other Christ in that day. There will be false doctrines. If there's one thing he warned, he said, he said in Matthew 24, I've been teaching it all ever since March, but he said, let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. Do not be deceived. He said it about three times in the same chapter. Why? Because in that day, men will fall into cultural things instead of the word of God. Paul said to Timothy, last writings of Paul, the apostle, he said, he said in chapter 4, verse 1, he said, I charge thee therefore before God. We need a charge. Every wedding I do, I give them a charge. That's right about commitment before they ever make the vow. And he's telling Timothy, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. Notice he brings in judgment when he's going to tell him the next statement. He said, who's going to judge the quick and the dead? He said, he said, at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, are you ready for this? Preach the word. Timothy, don't you preach culture. Don't you get up there and talk about acceptance things. Don't you get up there and just talk about the most relevant thing. He said, Timothy, when you get in that pulpit, you preach the word. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of the Lord. He's talking about the gospel. Come on, my idea will never convert you. But if I get the gospel into this church, amen, his truth will set you free. His truth will deliver you from sin. His truth will turn your heart around. Somebody shout with me, buy the truth and sell it not. 
Amen, 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 amen. Somebody shout it again. Buy the truth and sell it not. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. I've had, I've had preachers even in this community to tell me, they said doctrine does not matter. All you have to do is believe. No need of doctrine. Could I tell you that, that the Bible tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. You have to have doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is biblical teaching. What it means is we need to know what the Bible says. And he goes on and says, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to them teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Amen. Fables, just, 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 just false stories false doctrine. Why are they going to turn their ears from truth? Because the lust of their own carnal hearts. They don't want to hear what the Bible says because it doesn't agree with what they want. He said, you know what they'll do? They'll find somebody that'll tell them what they want to hear. It'll, it'll be it tickle their ears as I grew up hearing them say. Tickle their ears or with itching ears. What's it saying? Oh preacher, just tell me what I want to hear. Tell me that I'm doing good. I, I know I'm in adultery, but would you tell me that I'm, I'm okay? I know I'm fornicating, but would you tell me that that's all right. I, I, I know I'm, I'm dabbling in a little bit of witchcraft with uh, 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 palm reading and that, but I, I just got this little nervous thing about me because I don't know about my future. You don't know about your future because you don't know the word. Amen. You don't need a psychic. You don't need a palm reader. Amen. You need the word of the Lord. I know who has my future. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. When I pass a palm reading place, I curse it in Jesus' name. You don't need a horoscope. You don't need witchcraft. You don't need that stuff. You don't need a wizard or witch in your life. Come on, that's false. That's false doctrine. And what you'll find, what you find that he is teaching him, he is telling him, he said, he said, he said, but watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. And he goes on. But he was telling him, you must preach the word. Do you want me to get up here and give you my ideas? You don't want me to get intellectual on you. Probably won't go very far. God didn't call me to be intellectual in a sense of philosophy. Plato and Socrates and Aristotle and ideologies and men's philosophies and humanism and secularism. You don't need that. You need the word of God. You need the word. And what had happened in Jeroboam's day, Jeroboam has some kind, somehow become, he had become secular in his way of thinking. He had allowed false doctrines, false religions, worship to other gods and began on the altar to offer incense to other gods. And, and all of a sudden, this man shows up, this man of God. He, he shows up in, in, in the Jeroboam's world and when he walks in, he starts prophesying. Oh, Carol, he looks at that Jeroboam, the king, and he speaks to the altar. He says, oh, altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Come on, if you were wrong, wouldn't you want a prophet to come and straighten you out? Oh, altar, oh, oh, altar, altar. Hear you the word of the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon thee. And men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And when he said that, the Bible says he gave a sign and said that the altar, the altar shall be rent, the ashes shall be poured out. And it came to pass, verse 4, when Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar in Bethel, my lands, God forbid we turn the altar, the house of God, into heathenism, making the altar what we want it to be, Worshipping secular things. Everything about us instead of about him. Amen. It's not time to turn Christ to us. It's time to turn our hearts toward Christ. Come on. Christianity was never about you. It's always been about him. Can you say amen? 
Hallelujah. One of the things I've realized this year is when people make Christ, Christianity about them instead of them about Christ. And it goes on and he says, when he says this in verse 4, And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he had put forth against him, dried up so that he could not pull it in again to him. It just, it just withered, his hand withered like this. And, he's, and, and, it, and he realized you can't touch the prophet. He tried to touch, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. Why? Because they deliver the truth. It's not that, that, that they're more special. It's that their, their, their responsibility is to deliver truth. You can't be saved without the word. And Romans says you can't be saved without a preacher. How can you hear without a preacher? And how can he, can he preach except he be sent? God will make room for his word. The man is just in the position to take care of the responsibility of propagating the gospel. Can you say amen? When he dies and goes on, there'll be somebody else to step in that role. It's not that you you honor Aaron. It's that you honor the preacher. It's that the evangelist that comes in, whether it's a Brother Godwin or a David Smith or, or whoever it would have been, Brother Hernandez, whatever, it's that the man is fulfilling the role of bringing the word of God to you because you can't be saved without the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can you say amen? We need his word. And we need preachers to go all of these communities and preach the gospel to them. We need preachers, Brother Sharp. So glad we got Brother Nutter going to Coshocton today. Brother Nutter, stand up and wave your hands and shout, I'm a preacher. He's a, he's a tremendous preacher. He's doing an amazing job as a pastor. But you know what? Coshocton needs a pastor. And God sent a man there with the word that will bring change. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what preachers do. They preach. I remember going to Crooksville. I was standing there. I was standing there, Brother Jones. And while I was, I was standing there outside, getting ready to go in the church and come out, or just came out. I can't remember if I was leaving or coming. But I was standing there, my van door was open. My Bible's laying there. This young boy walked up. He's six years old. I remember that. He walked up to me. He looked up at me like this, and he said, I had a suit and tie on. He said, are you a coach? I said, sort of. Sometimes pastoring is like coaching, I think. He said, uh, I said, well, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. He said to me this. Sister Tammy, he said, what is that? What does a preacher do, he said. I said, well, he, he, preaches, he preaches the words out of the Bible. He said, what's a Bible? He was holding my Bible. At that time, he had reached in my van and pulled out my Bible, just looking at it like that. He said, what's a Bible? I said, it's what you have in your hand. He didn't even know what a Bible was. Oh, but I'm so glad there's a church in Crooksville right now that's letting an entire community know what the Bible is. Come on, how many believe you can't be saved without the Word? Amen. Can I preach about his word just for a minute here? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. How many know Jesus was the living word, and he created everything? How many believe Jesus is the living word? Amen. Amen. That's why verse 14 says, and the word. Somebody shout, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's no accident that when Jesus was walked up on the bow of the ship, amen, Brother Henry, when Jesus walked on the bow of the ship in the midst of the storm, and he said, peace be still, the wind and the sea obeyed him. You know why? Because he was the living word. He was the same one that was spoken on the day of cre creation and said, let there be light. He spoke it and there was light and separated the heavens, amen, and night from day and, and did all the things that he did because he's the living word. Can I tell you that when Jesus would speak, things would change. I want every preacher, everybody be seated, but the preacher's in the building. All the preachers stand up. 
All the preachers stand up. Amen. Amen. We've been honored. We, we have honored our veterans. We even honored our veterans in the last service. We're thankful for our veterans. I'm also thankful for the preachers. Now you listen to me. That's all right. Clap your hands and thank God for the preachers. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now you listen to me. The power is in his word. The same word that spoke at creation. Light came into existence. Amen. He separated the, 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 pulled the land out of the seed by his spoken word. All of those powerful things he did was by his word. When Jesus would speak, everything would change. Don't forget, the power is not in your personality. The power is not in your, your ability to speak. Now that helps. You need to skill that as much as you can. You need to study the word and make yourself approved unto God. Amen. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We believe that. But the power is not in how high your voice gets. The power is not in your, uh, when you're preaching. Can I tell you, but the power is in the word that you preach. And when you preach the word, things start changing. When you preach the word, sinners' hearts start Amen. Converting. There's power in the word. Come on, clap your hands and thank God for his word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody shout, thank God for his word. I don't know about you, but there's been times just as a saint, I found myself reaching into the word of the Lord. I found myself needing an answer. And I turned the pages and start reading. And exactly what I needed in that moment was on the pages of his word. How many ever had the word of God to speak to you? Everybody shout, the word of God. The word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick. That means it's alive. And it's powerful. I wish somebody shout, it's powerful. It's powerful. The word of God is alive. Brother Sharp, and it's powerful. It alone, not sitting on a shelf somewhere, but when it's spoken, when it's read, every now and then in your home, you ought to read the Bible out loud. Not loud, but out loud in your home. The Bible talks about in Deuteronomy 6, it says it's so powerful, it's so needed. Teach it diligently unto thy children. When thou risest up, when thou liest down, Wherever you're at, teach it. Thank God for our Bible quizzers because that's what they do. They have to do it. And they rise up, lie down. Here are my kids right now. They're quoted at home. Why? Because it's the word that keeps us right with God. No word, we're lost. You know, Brother Nutter, you can relate with this growing up in church, is that we would have old-fashioned shout-down services, you know, Man, you leave there, you dance and shout and worship. It was glorious. At the church, you say, my goodness, we had service tonight. It was so powerful. We didn't even have any preaching. Such a great service. Weren't no preaching. Amen. <laughs> I think we need that every now and then. But we should never validate a church service. How great it is because there's no preaching. Because Jesus said that God is a spirit. John 4, 23. And they that worship him must Worship him in spirit and in truth. Everybody say spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. We can't, we can't emphasize one or the other. It's one and the other. When you worship in spirit, you're worshiping with emotion. It's awesome to see people raise their hands. Tears are flowing down their face because of their love for God. Maybe somebody has different personality. Maybe, maybe they're exuberant, more, more like me. I'm jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah because he healed my crooked feet when I was born. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do like the crippled man in the Bible. He leaped through the temple praising him. That's spirit. That's emotion. And he said, I, I, want, I seek people to worship me in spirit. Boy, you ever hear somebody say they're high strung, they're high spirited? They're emotional. Do that. But he said, I don't want you just worshiping me with emotion. I want you to worship me in truth. What does that mean? Living it. I've seen people that could dance and shout and cry and wave their hands, but they couldn't walk right when they leave the building. 
Worship is not just something I do in the house of God. It's how I walk when I leave the building. I'm walking according to his word. I'm living a life. My attitude is right. I don't let cuss words come out of my mouth. I'm going to treat my brother right. Can you say amen? you got to live right. Somebody shout, live his word. And he said, I'm looking for a people that will worship me in spirit, but also in truth, why John 17 and 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 34, and let's look what it says. Hallelujah. How many of you love his word today? There's nothing like his word. And the Bible tells us that, chapter 34, you have to realize what Jeroboam did was wrong. Do you, do you, want, this, do you want the church to fail? He said, why are you teaching this? I'm going to tell you why. Because one study says 3,500 churches are closing a year. I've been over the UK where they turn from the awakening revivals. And I've been there. I've jogged down the streets past some of the most amazing buildings in, in Belgium. Brussels, Belgium, I've been there. I've been there in, in, in Holland by the churches. I've been in Great Britain. I've been in Birmingham, England. My travels... I went down to some of the most amazing facilities that you would have ever seen. Marble pillars, four feet in diameter. Massive facilities, and no one goes. Surrounded by graveyards of the people that used to be there, but somehow they didn't raise up a generation. Why? Because they got away from the word. Amen. You will never have a problem if you stay in the book. With the right spirit. You can't just love his word. You've got to love God. Amen. Who is love. Can you say amen? We need the word, but we need it with love. We need to preach about mercy. But you have to understand there's also the wrath of God. All of us are going to be judged according to his word. And you look what happens. You look what happens is, is Jeroboam started this thing. And the prophet and a man of God came and prophesied. Oh, altar, oh, altar. There's a baby going to be born. His name's going to be Josiah. He's going to, he's going to tear these things down. He's going to remove these false priests. And some three, think of this. That was the prophecy. 300, over 300 years later. Verse 1 says Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign. He was crowned king at 8 years old. He was young, but he was promised. You listen, I want everybody to listen to me. I still believe there's going to be a great awakening revival in the United States. I believe before it's over with going to be the greatest harvest greatest return to Christ that you've ever imagined millions are going to return to God I believe it I believe it I believe God loves this country come on I'm going to tell you the Lord raised this country up I do not believe he's going to tear it down if he does anything I believe he's going to bring us to our knees but I do not believe America is going to close its doors. I do not believe God is going to destroy this country. I believe God is going to cause us to repent just like he did the children of Israel in the book of Judges multiple times. I believe God, come on, he raised this country up to have significance in this world, in this end time. I don't care about your view on politics. God's going to do something in this country, and it's going to be amazing. I believe we're going to fill church buildings up again with people who love God. Do you believe that? Come on, somebody stand to your feet and shout, Amen. I believe God is going to help my country. God is going to reach this nation. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I want you to reach our nation. Bring us again to repentance. Glory. Glory, God. Help our nation to repent. Help our nation to return back to you. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm stirred. I feel like an old awakening preacher right now. I feel something stirring in my soul. Come on. But God's got to reach his church before he can reach the nation. We've got to get a hold of God. We've got to stay moral. We've got to stay right. We've got to stay pure. There's going to be a love for his word. Be seated a moment. Somebody shout, I want God to bring an awakening, revival to our country.
Jeroboam brought sin. It bothers me to think that that Oregon could legalize heroin. Let me, let me term it the way it's written. Decriminalize heroin and cocaine. It troubles me that marijuana is being legalized. Because even people that work in that field, and I realize there's an epidemic of, of felons and things that go along with that, and so it seems to be the easier route just to say it's okay, but marijuana is a gateway drug that leads to other things. It's true. I've worked very, very, very much in, in the community. I've worked with hundreds of people with addictions. I understand this since I was 16, working with people. One of the first Bible studies I ever taught, I walked out of there smelling like marijuana. Glad my parents trusted me when I got home. But I was in the house teaching, and the house smelled like marijuana. So much so in my clothes, but I was trying to reach somebody. And man, I'm not going to smoke it with them to save them. Come out from among them and be you separate. Sinners, sinners, sinners want to come out of sin. They don't want the church to become like them. They want, they want the church to be like him. Amen. We've got to stay like the Lord. And Jeroboam spun them into a, a, a wicked place, a wickedness, and polluted the altars and polluted the land. And the man of God said, there's a, there's a revival coming. It's Josiah by name. And he came, and when he did, he, he, uh, uh, he, was, he was troubled. He was eight years old, and eight years into his, into his kingship that you'll find that the Bible says he began with a shine, he began to seek the Lord. He started seeking the Lord. When he did, a place of repentance. I mean, the, the nation was a mess, but he began to seek the Lord. Josiah began to seek God. When he did, he started removing abominations from the land. He started getting rid of things that troubled his spirit. He didn't have the word. I'm going to prove it in a minute. He didn't have, he didn't have the law. The law had been lost. How can you be Levitical? How can you be Hebrew? How can you be Jew and not have the law of Moses? But somehow they had lost the significance of being different from the world so they could become like the world and the only way they could become like the world they had to pollute dilute the law because the law can be a rock of stumbling and a rock of offense to those that do not want to convert every now and then the preacher should agitate you unless you're perfect the Bible says the law is perfect, converting the soul. It, the law is perfect. And if you're imperfect, I'm burdened. Because you will not stand in judgment and the Lord compare you to your neighbor. Well, you know, compared to this guy, you're pretty good. It, it's not going to happen that way. I, I want you to turn... With me here for a moment. Can I just slow down here? Uh, we're going to finish this. I'm going to get. We're going to talk about Josiah. We're going to get this done here today. But I want you to turn to um, First or Second Peter. Just turn that direction. Let me grab it out of my notes here. Somebody say Amen. Do y'all love His Word? The Bible tells us in in. Uh, Give me one moment. Excuse me. I, I want to I read this to you. I feel, I feel like God wants to stir some hearts in here today. It's 1 Peter 4 and 17. Let's see what it says. All those watching online, excuse my pause for a minute, but I want you to hear this. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. 
See, the old man of God prophesied to Jeroboam at Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. But he had turned the house of God into a place of cultural acceptance. I mean, abortion's not right. All of it's wrong. Homosexuality is still sin. And the question is, does it trouble you? It should bother you. I don't get too political, but there's moral things that we've got to address. And uh, we have to be very, very careful because if we start allowing things, uh, accepting things, it, it, it becomes adultery is still wrong. An open marriage is not right. How many know the Bible says that specifically? And when you look for the time has come, that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? What's going to end be? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Are you hearing me? If the righteous barely make it, where's the sinner and the ungodly going to appear? What does it say? It says, it says, Wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And I understand not everybody's going to prove what I'm preaching. But it's, my, it's not my job to be elected. It's my job to preach what thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to let you understand. So watch this. He said judgment begins here. Every single service. It's a pretest to the test you have to take all by yourself. Every service that the gospel is preached, the word, the law of God is spoken. It is to align you up so when you stand before God in judgment, you can be ready. The Bible says the bride hath made herself ready. Do you believe that? In a day that immorality is promoted, the church should promote morality. What is the standard that's accepted? It should be the standard of the Lord. Let the church say amen. amen. We're not going to treat anybody bad that's a sinner. God loves a sinner, but he hates sin. And I can disagree with you fervently and love you at the same time. Listen, don't listen to the narrative that you have to agree with me and accept me for me to be, for, for, for to love me. That's not true. To say that if you don't accept me, then you hate me, that is a false narrative. It's just not true. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We can love sinners at the same time, not agree with sin. My concern is that we start accepting everything as if it's okay. That's a dangerous step to the failure of the church. We've got to get back in exactly what Josiah did. He started seeking the Lord. And when he started seeking God, he started removing things that weren't right. And some into his eight years, he was seeking the Lord. At his 18th year of kingship, a man by the name of Hilkiah. Are you okay up there? It's going to be real with you. Hilkiah is in the temple. They're trying to straighten up the house of the Lord because it's a mess. The house of the Lord isn't important. It's, been, it's just been uh, uh, filled with junk. It's, no, nobody's going there. There's no priest in order. It's just, it's just another building in town. It's just a, an empty place. And they go there and start cleaning up the house of God. Somewhere somebody found in the house of God the law, the book of the law of Moses. They found it. When they found it, they were, they were started cleaning, cleaning it off. I realized it was scrolls. It wasn't made like this. But they start cleaning that off and, and uh, start finding this old book. It, it's been years and years since anybody's been in the Word. And Hilkiah tells Shushan, and Shushan is reading, and he says, we got to get it to the king. And Josiah, when he opened the word, Kings chapter 34 uh, and verse 19, and it came to pass when the king, Josiah, had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. I didn't know. Somebody shout, I didn't know. 
Oh, I didn't know. He had lived a repentant life, but he did not know the law. But when he heard the law, he starts ridding his clothes. God, I didn't know. I didn't know this was your expectations. I didn't know this was what we were supposed to do. You have to realize there are so many people that are living a certain way because they've just never heard the word. But when they hear the word, they're going to respond in repentance to the word of God. I'm not trying to get you to think politically. I'm trying to get you to think morally here right now. The church can't change. The church has got to grow. The church has got to be what the church has been called to be. The United States of America is not the church, but the church is all over the world. And God has an expectation of the church, and that is to preach his word with love, without fear or respect or persons. Let's all stand and clap our hands for the word of God. Can you say amen? We cannot afford to be desensitized by entertainment. Changing things. Allowing Jeroboam's in our world, the spirit of the age, that calls us to invalidate, to misplace, to set aside the importance of the word of God. Can I say to you, that if the word of God is removed, the church will close. When the word of God is not appreciated, it's not valued, that we start talking about everything but the word, can I tell you today that God's church can't exist? The church no longer becomes the pretest, the judgment seat that gets people ready for God. The goal is not for you to feel judged. The goal is for you to feel conviction. Josiah, when he heard it, he fell on his knees and said, I didn't know. You know what he did? He called a meeting with the elders and the priests and everybody in the land of Judah and Jerusalem. The Bible says, then the king sent, verse 29, gathered together all, the, all of these people and the people great and small and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. You want a church to just have spirit? Or you want a church with spirit and truth? I've also been there where the church had truth, but they didn't have any love. But we need truth. I was thinking about the king the other day in Jeremiah that he'd take a penknife and cut out what he didn't like and he threw it and burn it. I don't want some of it. I want all of it. Have I made you uncomfortable today? We gotta have truth. We gotta return to God. It says, and the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. He calls all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand. He said, when I'm reading the word of God, you're to stand. Why? Honoring the word of the Lord. We should honor our flag. But we should also honor the standard of the church. It's who we are. we got to fall in love with his word again. What is the moral code? What is righteousness? What is unrighteousness? The Bible says in Jeremiah that they would commit abominations and wouldn't even blush. There will come a day, he said, they no longer. The scripture also tells us that evil men will wax worse and worse. How about another one? It, 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 it tells us that they will call evil good and good evil. We are living in the last days, and he warns, in the last days, there'll be lovers of pleasures. They'll be given over to reprobate mind. Why? Absence of the word of God. It's not, it's not God's will for us to judge people that are non-apostolic. It's for us to live our life and that they would hear the word. You can live a repentant life through a period. He proves this without truth. For the Nehemiah, you're an example. But when he saw truth, he accepted truth and moved on to more truth. Do you believe that? I believe there's going to be a revival of the name of the Lord. There's going to be a revival of repentance that's going to come across this nation. But we as the church have got to fall in love. Don't, don't, 
Don't place the Bible in a corner somewhere where it's going to collect dust. Get it out and read it. What good is the Word of God if we don't live it, we don't obey it? Don't just take my word for it. I've said that my whole tenure of pastoring. Get in there and read it for yourself. Just don't take my word for it. Love His Word. Let His Word speak to you. Lift your hands all over the building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, you want to be blessed? Josiah said, I make a covenant. I'm going to live according to the Word of God. I'm going to do it His way and let His blessings fall into my life. I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth, oh God. Hallelujah. God, there's Josiah. There's a revival. There's a Josiah revival that's going to happen. He's going to start seeking your face and truth is going to be revealed. Oh God, more truth is going to be revealed. Hallelujah. God, I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. I don't want to be lost because I didn't live according to the word of the Lord. Help me get back, God, to your word. Lord, let me seek out my own soul salvation with fear and trembling. <laughs> the gospel of Christ. The gospel of the Lord. Lift your hands. That's it. Tell the Lord, I want to know your word. Oh, God, this Bible is still the foundation of our country. Help us. In the name of Jesus, I want us all to get on our knees and begin to pray and repent. I want you to tell the Lord, I want to know your will. I want you to tell God, I want to find your way. Come on, everybody all over the building, I want you to get a hold of the Lord right now and say, God, give me a revelation of your word. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.